Will you turn with me, please, to Luke's Gospel? Luke's Gospel, please. Chapter 11. We'll just lift a couple of verses out. And we have a lot of scripture to read to you this evening. Bless the Lord. Luke 11, please. <clears throat> and we'll read from verse, pardon me, Luke 21. Pardon me. That's, that's a different chapter. We're going to start in Luke 21. And we're going to read from verse 23. The Lord Jesus is the speaker. But woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. For there shall be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Again, verse 24, the Lord Jesus says, Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Let us pray. Father, thank you for all who you have brought this evening out under this roof to hear your word. We thank you, Lord, for their faithfulness of heart to be here, for their willingness, for you've brought them here. And so we pray, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, your only begotten Son, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts and show us your great plan and purpose of the ages. And, Father, that you would challenge us Give us teachable spirits and hearts to receive that which is from you to the glory of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray, even if it's already been prayed, if there's one who is unsaved tonight, that they would see the need of the hour, one who is away from you tonight, that they would realize they must get back to their father. Lord, may they find themselves coming to the fold back under your shelter and into thy house again. Glorify him, your son, in all that is done tonight. And may thy spirit speak to every heart. For Jesus' name's sake, I pray and ask it. Amen. Amen. The Lord Jesus is speaking to the Jews in Jerusalem, and if you were reading the chapter, you'll read some of it also, uh, not all of it, but you'll read some of it in Matthew 24, and most of it, and much of it, is actually fulfilled in the year AD 70, and what he's telling the Jews is that there are going to be armies, that is the Roman army, would come with Titus, Vespasian's prince, and he would surround Jerusalem. And we're told that in history this happened 
around 40 years later from our reading. And over 2 million Jews were either killed, starved, crucified, or taken away captive. And in fact, if you were in Rome today, you could see the Arch of Titus. And that is a triumphal arch of Titus being celebrated on his victory over Jerusalem and the Jews in A.D. 70. The temple is destroyed. And as the Lord Jesus says, one stone would not be left upon another. Now tonight, these warnings and a sliding scale of prophecy, I believe, are happening again this very evening. We're going to look at it tonight. I'm going to show you some uh, PowerPoints. There's only a few of them to try and aid uh, your visible understanding of things. And first of all, we have our first one. We can't get it up, can we? You might even have something like this in the back of your Bible. And what you'll see here is the two kingdoms of Israel, the kingdom of the house of Israel to the north and the kingdom of Judah to the south. It's Judah where we get the derivative name later called Jews from. And the Jews are mainly there in the house of Judah. There are two captivities. The first one is the kingdom of Israel. We have the like of Amos the prophet and Hosea the prophet. We have Elijah and Elisha. They all prophesy against the northern kingdom. They all prophesy and tell of God's impending doom, danger, and wrath upon them if they do not turn to the Lord again with all their heart. We'll not look at it tonight because it would take too long, but in 1 Kings 11, we have a man called Rehoboam, who is Solomon's son, and he is in the southern kingdom. He is the king in Jerusalem. And Rehoboam uh, is against Jeroboam. Jeroboam is a, well, Solomon's, if I can call him, his understudy. And Solomon is now dead, and Jeroboam brings those of the northern house down, or the northern territory at the time down, they ask for less taxes to be put on the people or there'll be a revolt. And it was Rehoboam, Solomon's son, tells them and sends them away with a scold. And hence the northern kingdom is formed. The city of Samaria, you can see there, is the capital city. And a false line of ungodly kings come into the house of Israel. They become known through time as the kings are changing through time. They become known, those ten tribes in the north become known as Samaria because of their capital city. Hence there is prophecy against it. They become known as Ephraim because Ephraim receives the birthright of, from the Lord. And so they receive the birthright under Ephraim. And then they become known as Joseph because Ephraim and Manasseh are Joseph's sons. So there are different names in the Old Testament for the northern kingdom. It's called the house of Israel and the southern is the house of Judah. The house of Israel falls under what's known as the seven times punishment of Israel. If you'll turn with me please to the book of Numbers. The book of Numbers chapter 26 please. Pardon me, Leviticus, my head's away tonight. 
Leviticus, why did I say numbers? I've numbers written in front of me for something else, maybe. Leviticus chapter 26. And the Lord speaks unto Israel before the split. And I'm just going to run through a few verses to show you. Verse 18, the Lord says to them, And if you will not yet for all this hearken unto me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins. Verse 21, And if you walk contrary unto me and will not hearken unto me, I will bring seven times more plagues upon you according to your sins. Verse 24, the Lord says again, Then will I also walk contrary unto you and will punish you yet seven times for your sins. And then again in verse 28, the Lord says to them, Then I will walk contrary unto you also in fury, and I even I will chastise you seven times for your sins. Verse 32, And I will bring the land into desolation, and your enemies which dwell therein shall be astonished at, and I will scatter you among the heathen. Notice that the Lord says, I will bring seven times of punishment against you, Israel. And now we move along in time. These two kingdoms are now, the two kingdoms have separated one from another. And the first time you even read about the name Jews, J-E-W-S, is in 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 16. And they're fighting Israel. So all of the Jews are not all of Israel, and Israel are not the Jews. They are fighting each other. And Syria is helping the northern kingdom further north above here on your map. And notice this then, if you'll turn with me please to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. And see what the Lord says here. We're away later in the future. The house of Israel has been taken captive and their seven times punishment has already started many years previous. Let me give you an idea. The fall of their capital of Samaria went from 721 down into, it's BC, 721 down to 720, 722 to 720. So the most of it, it's like they have an incursion and they take some away back. The enemy comes in, the Assyrian has an incursion and it keeps going in an incursions. It's like you hear of the Donbass region today where there's incursions into it and then they're pushed back. And this is the way it went. Now take note of this. In 721 BC, the seven times punishment started. And the seven times punishment for Israel ended in 1800 to 1801 AD. And this was when in Great Britain we had the the union of Great Britain and Ireland, the, the declaration of it. Notice these nations start to, to be formed and to spring up. They had the Reformation. They had the printing of the Bible. They had the evangelists. They had all of the prophetic movement. They had the outpouring of the Spirit in Great Britain and, of course, the United States. And this is the ending of Israel's seven times punishment. Now, not the house of Judah. Now, notice this. When we were actually to look at Manasseh and God, It's not on your map. They'd be at the far side of the blue. 
Manasseh and Gad and Reuben. The first incursions started there in 745 BC. And if you were to take the seven times punishment off it, it finishes in the year 1776. And that's when the 13 eastern seaboard colonies of the United States of America was formed. And that nation was birthed in a day. Notice this now. Britain is being raised up. America before it is being raised up. And these nations with the scattering of the house of Israel going westward in population. Now we see that God's plan is coming into purpose. We're going to concentrate now on the house of Judah. You might say, what's the seven times? I'm going to show you it more for the house of Judah. It's the exact same for the house of Israel. The exact same length of time. Matthew 21, please. Let your eye run down, if you will. The verse 42. Jesus saith unto them, Did you never read the script in the scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I say unto you, now notice he's speaking to the Jews here, and the Jewish leaders. Jesus says, Therefore I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you. And given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. The word nation, people say that's the church. No, the word church is ecclesia or ecclesia. The word used here for nation is ethnos. A same racial people. And of course, the kingdom fruit came from Britain and America. From these islands and from the United States of America. Kingdom fruit went from the publishing of the word of God to the sending forth of the missionaries. The kingdom fruit brought people around the world and with it went the gospel. And yes, none of them were perfect, but as the empire of Britain extended, so did their ability for the gospel. So did the ability for the Bible and for the word of God. And God used this for his glory. Then the United States, the great Manasseh of prophecy rises up. And what happens? Of course, they become the great Christian empire the great Christian nation in the world and sending forth uh, much produce, as it were, from the gospel, sending forth even more in a greater volume than small Britain did before. Notice this, what he says. He says to the Jews, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you, given to a nation, a people, not the church. The church is in the nation, not the nation replacing the church. It's not replacement theology. Now notice this. Given to a nation bringing forth the fruits thereof. And whosoever, this is the cornerstone, and whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken. But in whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. Speaking of himself in judgment. Speaking of the wrath of God. If you fall on God's mercy, if you fall on God's grace believing in Christ, He says, then you might be broken in your sin. He says, but if Christ falls in you at the coming of the Lord, he says, he will grind you to powder. This is what he's saying. They are rejecting Christ. He says, the Jewish people, you're rejecting me. And this nation will accept me. The gospel came west of us. And we accepted the, the uh, the gospel for the kingdom of God was being extended in the earth. Now, I take note of this, he says, 
In verse 45, And when the chief priests and Pharisees heard his parables, they perceived that he spake of them. These men knew that Christ was speaking about them. But when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitude because they took him for a prophet. Listen to the words of the great Baptist preacher, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Listen to this. What a warning it is to our own country. We too are seeing the sacrifice and deity of our Lord questioned and his sacred word assailed by those who should have been its advocate. Unless there is speedy amendment, the Lord may take away the candlestick out of its place and find another race which will prove more faithful to him and his gospel than our own has been. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, what, 150 years ago said that. And if it was like that in Britain, if it was like that in Britain and the people of Britain at Charles Haddon Spurgeon's time, what would he think of today? What would he think of the depravity and the sin in Britain today. And he says even in this. He says that God may just remove the candlestick. In other words God may just say. I've had enough of you Great Britain. In fact I think God has already said it. I think God has already said it. We have every ruler of every part of this, these two islands worshipping another god. Scotland is a Muslim. London is a Buddhist. Dublin is an Indian. Whether he worships or not, I don't know. And Northern Ireland is a Marxist, Republican, terrorist sympathizer. The judgment of God is upon our nation and upon our land. And by the way, we have a globalist king. These Jewish leaders were stripped of what they thought was their divinely ordained leadership. And they're called to repent, but there's no repentance found in these people. And I see it I see it in the governments of our nation. I see it in Westminster and in the Doyle in Dublin. I see it in every devolved parliament. These people want to bring in every wrong, ungodly law that they can. Will you turn with me, please, to Luke 19? Luke chapter 19. And let's read from verse 11, please. We'll just lift a couple of verses or so here. Verse 11. And as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable because he was nigh to Jerusalem. Notice where he is. It's important to read this. Because he's coming to Jerusalem. And because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. He called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupied till I come. 
That's the gospel coming to us. And he's saying to those, uh, to those who have received it, occupy till I come. You and I are not to be weak and watery Christians. We're to be walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. And according to the word of God, we're to have grit and backbone as Christians. And he says, occupy. He didn't say comply. He says, occupy till I come. And what happened in our nation? They complied with everything. Complied with everything the government threw at them. And every Christian that didn't comply, even the Christians were saying how bad and ridiculous the likes of us were. Jesus says, occupy. It's time we took ground, brothers and sisters. It's time we took ground for Christ. Now take note of this. Verse 14, but his citizens, he's coming to Jerusalem now, hated him. And we sent a message after him. We will not have this man to reign over us. I note that. We will not have this man to reign over us. And we know that in Jerusalem, they cried, crucify him. Not this man, but Barabbas. That's what they cried. We will not have this man to reign over us. You know, for centuries, our nation that was built on the law and foundations of the word of God are now crying the same. Notice this, what it says. He gives a pound to men and they, they, to see how they would fare. And we don't want to go into that tonight because we should be using the pound, as it were, that the Lord has given us to occupy with, to, to multiply it for his kingdom and for him coming back to earth again. Do you, believe, do you really believe, Ken, that the Lord's coming back to earth? Absolutely, 100% to do. And I believe it sooner rather than later. 100% I believe it. Let your eye run down, if you will, please, to verse 27. It's just for time's sake. But those mine enemies, Jesus said, which would not that I should reign over them, bring them hither and slay them before me. Now, this happens in AD 70. And Titus comes and slays them. It said two million of them, where they're carried away, are perished but on a sliding scale of prophecy because everything repeats itself. Paul even says the things that were written of old were for our admonition for today, for our ensample that we might learn from them. And again, with the Jews in the Israelite state today, rejecting Christ, turning away from Christ, we will not have this man to reign over us. So when Christ comes, it's not going to be all party and picnic. He's coming to judge and to make war. People don't do the Jewish people any service when they try to make them more Jewish and bring them back to their Jewish heritage. They don't do them any favors. The only thing that will save is the gospel of Christ and the blood of the Lamb. Take note of this. Turn with me to Matthew 20, please. Matthew 20. And let your eye run down to verse 17. And Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples apart in the way and said unto them, 
Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be betrayed into the and unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him. Think about this. These religious leaders are condemning the one who came to save. They're condemning him to death. Glory to God, look what it says in verse 19. And shall deliver him to the Gentiles, to the Romans, to mock and to scourge and to crucify him, and the third day he shall rise again. He knew he was coming out of the grave. He knew that up from the grave he arose. So when he's coming, he's saying, these people are going to hit me enough to condemn me to death and to hand me over to the Romans. Now the word Gentile, we haven't time, but we do well for a Bible study some night. But the word Gentile can mean non-Israelite, non-Jewish people maybe think as well. And it can also mean a Gentilized Israelite, one who's went and heathenized. But here he's talking about the Romans. They'll hand me over to the Romans. And they'll crucify me, but I will rise again on the third day. Zechariah chapter 13 and verse 1. Listen to what it says. In that day there shall be a fountain opened in the house of David to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. What is that fountain? What is the fountain open in the house of David? Jesus is great David's greater son, isn't he? He comes from the line of King David as to his humanity. And the fountain open was the blood that flowed from Emmanuel's veins. O William Cowper could write, There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. And so if we turn again to Luke 21, please, I know you think I'm maybe taking you on a roundabout. I'm not. I'm bringing you somewhere. You'll see in a moment. Twenty-one, please, Luke twenty-one and verse twenty-four. <clears throat> Listen to what the Lord says here. It says Sorry, twenty three. And when he was come unto the temple, the chief priests and elders that's Matthew I'm reading. What is wrong with my head today? Excuse me. I'm way ahead of myself. 21. And let's read verse 24. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Now these are in time of non-Israelites be fulfilled. That's who he's talking about. He's talking about nations that are not of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Of people who will come and they will hold fast to Jerusalem. Now, this was fulfilled again in AD 70. But when Jesus is speaking this, the Romans were in charge of Jerusalem. These who we read about who crucified Christ. And we won't go to it because we're going to do another night some other time on it. But in Daniel chapter 2, we read of Nebuchadnezzar has a dream and he sees the, the man with the head of gold and the, uh, the, the breast and arms of silver and the, the midriff of brass and 
the legs of iron and the feet of part iron and part of clay. And the gold is Nebuchadnezzar and his Babylonian uh, kingdom. And the, the silver breast and arms are the Medes, one arm, and the Persians that would come after that. And then through time, which would come after that, we have Alexander the Great and the, the bronze midriff of the, the, the vision that he sees. And then after that, we have, through time, we have the Romans, and that's the, the iron legs. And that's that time where Jesus is speaking here. And these are the ones who come to Jerusalem. So Jerusalem has been trodden down. In other words, they went into captivity when the head of gold was in charge, Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians, away in the past. Turn with me, if you will, to Jeremiah chapter 24. Jeremiah chapter 24, if you will, please. Jeremiah is a prophet who speaks to the house of Judah, that southern kingdom. He speaks to them, warning them of their sin. The house of Israel are gone about 120 years at this point. And now Jeremiah the prophet is speaking to the house of Judah, warning them that they have went the same way. When you read in scripture, and I've done studies on it a few years back, I maybe have to refresh them because a lot of people wouldn't have heard them. These two kingdoms are known as two sticks in the scripture. They're known as two houses. They're known as two kingdoms. They're known as two sons. Even into the New Testament, if you keep this, you'll see that the Lord is speaking about this in parables. He speaks about it with the the rich man and Lazarus. People talk about the backslider, but it's speaking about the two kingdoms. Talk about the two sons in scripture. And the New Testament speaks about them. In the Old Testament, they're called two sisters. One is called Ahala, and the other is called Ahaliba. And Ahala is Samaria. Samaria. And Ahaliba is Jerusalem. And one means she hath her own tent to the northern kingdom. And the other one means my tent is in her when the temple was in Jerusalem. And this carries through to the, the parables in the New Testament that the Lord Jesus speaks about. Each one of them we do for one night of teaching and we have to do a whole series through those so here's what i want you to see we see two baskets of figs here two types of figs in jeremiah 24 the lord showed me behold two baskets of figs were set before the temple of the lord after that nebuchadnezzar the king of babylon had carried away captives jeconiah the son of jehoiakim king of judah and the princes of judah and the carpenters and smiths from jerusalem and had brought them to Babylon. One basket had very good figs, even like the figs that are first ripe, and the other basket had very naughty figs, which could not be eaten. They were so bad. So he sees these two baskets of figs. One can be eaten, one can't. One were naughty or evil, and one were good. And see, the, the incursion of Nebuchadnezzar first came, again, back and forward, taking people away. The first incursion that came into the house of Judah or the kingdom of Judah, that little southern part there, there was Judah, the tribe of Benjamin, and Levi, the priestly tribe was there, was mainly known as two tribes in the south. Nebuchadnezzar comes in and he takes some away and then they come back again, they take more away. And those who went at the start went according to the word of the Lord. For the Lord told Jeremiah, tell the people of Judah 
when Nebuchadnezzar comes, don't fight the dying battle, but go into Babylon and trust me and I'll bring you out again after 70 years. And so the ones that went like Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego that we read about, Ezekiel was there and of course Jeremiah eventually went and then ended up in Egypt and all of those who went were the good figs, good Jews if you want. And the other ones were bad figs or bad Jews because they rejected the word of the Lord. And hence the Lord allowed them to be taken captive completely and Jerusalem was brought into Babylonian hands. The times of the Gentiles had started from that moment. Notice verse 5. Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, like these good figs, so will I acknowledge them that are carried away captive of Judah, whom I have set out in this place into the land of the Chaldeans for their good. This is in the Bible, on the land of the Chaldeans for their good. God done this for their good. There's things God does for us is for our good. And then he says... For I will set mine eyes upon them for good and will bring them again to this land and I will build them and not pull them down. I will plant them and not pluck them up and I will give them a heart to know me that I am the Lord. They shall be my people. I will be their God for they shall return unto me with their whole heart. So the Lord's saying, I'm bringing them out. We know it's after 70 years. The Lord releases them. They come back. There's about 49,000 in total come out again to uh, Jerusalem. Nehemiah builds the walls. Ezra builds the Rubbable's temple. And we read about that. Esther is back in Babylon. They stay in Babylon. And we read about the Jews almost being slaughtered uh, under, with him in there uh, and, and so on. And this is all going on at this time. Now, I want you to notice this. Look at verse 8 with me, please. As for the evil figs, disobedient, naughty Jews, Judaites, which cannot be eaten, they are so evil. Surely thus saith the Lord, so will I give Zedekiah, the king of Judah, and his princes, and the residue of Jerusalem that remain in this land, and them that dwell in the land of Egypt, and I will deliver them to be removed into all the kingdoms of the earth for their hurt. For their hurt. God says, those who obeyed me went into Babylon for their good. But these who disobeyed me, they will be scattered for their hurt. Imagine the Lord saying that. Notice this. To be a reproach and a proverb and a taunt and a curse in all places whither I shall drive them. And I will send the sword, the famine and the pestilence among them till they be consumed from off the land that I gave unto them and to their fathers. In other words, he said, you're out of here. It's not your land anymore. Now those who came back again then fell into the way of Babylonian Talmudism. When Jesus comes, they're leaning on the tradition of their fathers. And what they were doing was looking more to works, the washing of pots and pans, and leaving aside the weightier things of the commandments of God. And that's what Jesus says to them. And John the Baptist calls him a brood of vipers. Take note of this, if you will. Why figs? Because the fig tree became the emblem of Judah, the southern kingdom. The emblem of Judah. 
And then it became known more for the Jews here. For the Jews. Would you turn with me to Mark 13? Pardon me, Luke 13. We'll go there first. Luke 13. Listen to what the Lord says in verse 6. Luke 13, verse 6. <clears throat> Excuse me, my throat's drying out just with the heat. He spake this parable. Notice this is a parable. Look, when you and I read a parable, it means to lay down alongside, to make a comparison with something. And hence, this is a parable of what would happen, and hence we look at parables for our lives today. This parable then comes alive again to the Israeli state tonight. Remember, it's a parable. Notice this. He spake also this parable, a certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. That's the emblem of Israel. And he came and sought fruit thereon and found. How much did he find? None. No fruit. Why? Because they would not have this man to reign over them. Now notice what it says here. Then he said to the dresser of the vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and find none. Cut it down, why cumbereth it the ground? And he said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also, till I dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit well, and if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. Now take note of verse 10, and he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. Imagine he goes right into their synagogue to tell them, you're the fig tree. They know this. You are the fig tree. And there's no fruit toward God from you. Can you imagine this? The courage of Christ here. There's no fruit from you. And you know what Jehovah says? Cut this tree down and get rid of it from the land. Why is it cumbering the ground? And it says, the man digging, it says, leave it alone this year. These three years, the Lord says, I come. Jesus' ministry at this point was three years. Preaching to the people. Healing the sick. Raising the dead. Feeding the hungry. For three years, and nothing was from them. The Lord says, cut it down. And take it out of my road. And Jesus says, that's him in this part. Leave it alone this year. I'll dig about it and dung it. And if it bears fruit, then that's well, good. And if not, then we'll cut it down. And within the middle of that year, the Lord Jesus was crucified by them. We will not have this man to reign over us. Crucified by them. And what happened? Forty years later. Forty is the number of trial and testing. Forty years later, Titus, the Roman prince, came and destroyed the temple. Can you see all this coming, to, coming together? Let me say, what has this got to do with us today? Would you remember even in Mark 11 when the Lord Jesus is walking into Jerusalem before he's crucified and the fig tree has got the foliage on it, the leaves, but there's no fruit? He goes over to take the fruit off it. And what happens? There's no fruit on it. It's not right. It's like the man in the parable here. He finds none. He curses it. The next day, 
They're walking into Jerusalem again. They're, they're more than likely staying in Bethany these days, walking into Jerusalem again. And there the fig tree had withered up. Peter says, Lord, behold, the fig tree which thou cursest is, is withered up. Do you know what it was? Jesus was giving a visual. This is what's going to happen to this Jewish nation. The good figs accepted Christ. Look at Luke 21 again, please. Luke 21. And let your eye run down, please. To verse 21. He said, Let them which are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let them which are in the midst of it depart, and let not them that are in the country in the countries enter therein too. Those who listened to the word of God and seen the armies of Titus would flee the city if they obeyed the word. It's like when you obey the word, then there's blessing comes. It's like when you obey the word and get yourself right with God and call on his name for mercy and repentance, you can be saved from that which is a greater fate for all the Christ rejectors. You'll be saved tonight. And those who believe Jesus seen it and they ran to the hills. Know what Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 18 says? Proverbs 27 and verse 18 says, Whoso keepeth the fig tree shall eat the fruit thereof. Whoso keepeth the fig tree, it's like this parable, isn't it? Shall eat the fruit thereof. And the Lord kept the fig tree and there was no fruit for him. There was no fruit for the Lord. So, let us go to Luke 21, verse 24. We're going to look at the times. The Lord Jesus said, Luke 21, verse 24, at the end of the verse, Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Remember, away back in Babylon, Jeremiah was told, go into Babylon with Nebuchadnezzar. That's the head of gold from Daniel chapter 2. And Jerusalem was being trodden down of the Gentiles. All those kingdoms right through the Roman Empire. And then came the rise of the Arabs and then came the Muslim, uh, if you want, the overtaking of the Muslims came in. And they took it over. And they held it. And they held it right up until, except for one or two spaces where crusaders went in. But they held it right up until about 100 years ago. Go to look at it. So a time. Now forgive me, I'm not used to these things. Ah, there we are. So we read the, the Lord says, I will punish you seven times in Leviticus chapter 26. So one time is 360. One. See? 360. One. 360 degrees. From here, 180, 360. One time. Seven times I will punish you seven times more. So it's seven multiplying uh, 360 by 7, 
and you get 2,520. You can try your mods and you can do it. It all works out. Thank you, Glenn. <clears throat> 2,520. Now, take note of this. We looked at the house of Israel briefly. Take note of this. Will you go with me to Ezekiel 4? Ezekiel 4, please. And after I just run down for time's sake to verse 6. In fact, let's go from verse 4. This is strange what the Lord tells the prophet to do. Verse 4. Lie thy also upon thy left side, and lay the iniquity of the house of Israel, northern kingdom, upon it, according to the number of the days that thou shalt lie upon it, thou shalt bear the iniquity. In other words, he's shown that they were sinful, by land on, now they're gone by this time, that the vast majority are gone. Verse 5, for I have laid upon thee the years of their iniquity according to the number of the days, 390 days. So shalt thou bear the iniquity of the house of Israel. And when thou, shalt, when thou hast accomplished them, lie again on thy right side, and thou shalt bear the iniquity of the house of Judah, that's the southern kingdom, 40 days. I have appointed thee each day for a year. Now I go to the book of Numbers. Numbers, please, chapter 14. <clears throat> and verse 33, please. But your little ones which you said should be a prey... Them will I bring in, and they shall know that the land, know the land which you have despised. But as for you, your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness. This is how God deals with these disobedient people. And your children shall wander in the wilderness. Notice, 40 years. Remember Israel wandered for 40 years in the wilderness? Now take note. And bear your whoredoms until your carcasses be wasted in the wilderness after the number of the days in which you search the land, even 40 days, take note, each day for a year shall you bear your iniquities, even 40 years you shall know my breach of promise. So a day for a year in Numbers chapter 14, a day for a year in Ezekiel chapter 4 and verse 6. One time is 360. Seven times is 360 multiplied by seven which is 2,520. One day is for a year. So 2,520 day years. Now let's look at this. Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, who came and took them away. Remember Jeremiah? We read in Jeremiah 24, the, the good figs went and then the evil figs were destroyed. Well, notice, when he came, that head of gold... Nebuchadnezzar, he was crowned king of Babylon in 607 B.C. And this is important. 607 B.C. Now remember, you're going to add 2,520 years. So because it's B.C., the numbers get less, the not, and then they get bigger again as we keep subtracting. But 607 B.C., take away 2,520. There's no year not, so you have to add one. And then start the subtraction, the rest of it. It brings us to the year 1914. 
1914. And this is the year that God took peace from off the earth and the nations of the wicked hearts of men started the First World War. Now take note, because this is important, the First World War. It was on the 29th of December 1914 that the Turkish Ottoman Empire, who were the Gentiles at the time, who were ruling over on uh, Jerusalem, they're Muslim, ruling over Jerusalem. They aligned with Germany in World War I. And hence, we have these central powers starting to come in on their axis. And take note of this. So Nebuchadnezzar's crown, 607, take away 2,520, we have 1914. The, word, the war starts, Germany and the Ottoman Turks join together. And then if you go from the year 604 is when uh, Nebuchadnezzar's army goes in and takes Jerusalem captive. They take Jerusalem captive and they, remember they burn out Azekiah's eyes, put his eyes out, uh, and they kill his sons and then they put his eyes out and they take them away. Well, if you take it from that year, which was uh, 604 BC, and you take the seven times punishment, which is, uh, of course, the numbers get less, one for the changing over, no year zero, and you keep taking away until 2520 has been exhausted, it brings us to the year 1917. 1917. Let me tell you what happened in 1917. That was the last of the seven times punishment for Judah, for Jerusalem. But let me tell you what happened in 1917. Henry Grattan Guinness was a famous evangelist from Dublin. Um, his brother, no, his uncle, no, his grandfather was Arthur Guinness. Arthur Guinness, who we know of, of the Guinness fame or infamy of the drink that they have, which is so famous. He was his uncle. And half of the family were evangelists and half of the family went into the brewery business. Arthur Guinness was an orange man as well. Did you know that? I see, you know, the Irish are very proud of, the, of their Guinness. Well, Arthur Guinness was an orange man. And here's the thing, this evangelistic man, Henry Grattan Guinness, he went to America and seen thousands of souls saved. He went over to England and seen great revivals happening, seen thousands of souls saved. And he wrote two books. One is called The Approaching End of the Age, and the other one is called Light for the Last Days. And in these he mentions Jerusalem, and he was a Bible prophecy student. And what he did was he realized what I've taught you in the seven times punishment of Jerusalem. And he started to formulate this to say, well, this seven times punishment, according to the capturing of Jerusalem in 604 BC, runs out in 1917. Now, the First World War is in its, it's really peak nearly at this time. And we think of uh, over at Flanders Fields, and well, that was on a stalemate at this time. Around the whole area of what is the Holy Lands that we know as the Holy Lands, there was bloodshed everywhere. The Arabs actually came in uh, uh, to help along with the, the British effort expeditionary forces there. The, the, the Australians come over and fought the Turks uh, on Anzac Day. And all these things were happening. But nobody could remove 
the Ottoman Turks, these, these Muslim men, could not move them from Jerusalem. Every general that went from the British army came back with his tail between his legs, with egg on his face. And what happened was, in the 1888, Henry Grattan Guinness had formulated this. Uh, Lord Balfour, um, he brings what is comes, he formulates with a man called Viam Keisman, who was a, a, a Jewish chemist. And of course, and listen, a lot of people don't realize this. It's a Rothschilds project. The Rothschilds funded it. And they come to, to formulate this for a homeland for the Jews again. And it's brought to, uh, it's brought to a man who was a, a, a general in the British Army called Edmund Allenby. So Balfour, he's a Christian general. Allenby's a Christian general. And he says, will you go and try to liberate uh, Jerusalem from the Turks? And, and the story goes that he says, there's no way. Balfour says, I'm not going, or pardon me, uh, Allenby says, I'm not going. Everyone that's once come back with their tail between their legs, as it were, with egg in their face, they've all failed and I'm not going near it. So he brings out the books, The Light for the Last Days, and Approaching the End of the Age by Henry Grattan Guinness. And they start reading this and they formulate, they show, he shows the formulation what I've shown you, that in 1917, and this is in the year 1917, it's happening he says, the Lord says that Jerusalem's, or Judah's seven times punishment will be over. We should believe the word of God. And hence, Allenby says, I'm your man, I'm going. And he takes over the British forces over to the place. Where did I get this to go? That one. So you can see here, that's a map of, of, of the Euphrates River, the Holy Land's over this side, and you see the arch, the crescent of it, and where Babylon would have been, and down in here. I'll come maybe back to that. There's Allenby there. Allenby goes, and there's bloodshed all over till they get to Jerusalem. And he gets a little, what's known as, where's the RAF today? It was called the Royal Flying Corps, or the Royal Air Corps. And they had the little bi-wing planes. And these were all a new invention really, and he sends a squadron of them up. And he sends them over to fly over Jerusalem. And it's number 14, bomber squadron. But he doesn't get them to drop bombs. He gets them to drop leaflets. Read it in history. You can look at, Google it. And he gets them to drop leaflets telling the, the Ottoman Turks to surrender. Now, nobody could move these guys. The Ottoman Turks seen these planes flying overhead and these leaflets dropping down saying surrender. Listen to what Isaiah says in Isaiah 31 and verse 5. As birds flying, so will the Lord of hosts defend Jerusalem. Defending also he will deliver it and passing over he will preserve it. The Turks seen what looks like birds flying over Jerusalem. There wasn't a bomb dropped. Not one bomb was dropped. They didn't even fire one shot, we're told. And the Turks dropped their weapons and surrendered. Just dropped their weapons and surrendered. That was on the 8th of December, 1917. 
on the 9th of December, 1917, Allenby comes on his horse and dismounts of his horse, not going toward the Jerusalem gate, but walks in the Jaffa gate, saying, the only one who will, king that will ride in victorious will be Christ himself when he returns through the golden gate on the eastern side. There's the plains. This is oil photography from the day. There he's walking in the Jaffa Gate. And Jerusalem was liberated. You might say, what has that got to do today? Well, here's a little thing. Write this down and read it when you go home. Daniel chapter 12. uh, It's the last chapter. It's nearly the last verse. Maybe the last. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. But Daniel chapter 12 and verse 12 it says, blessed is he that waiteth and cometh to the 1,330 and five days. What does that mean? Blessed is he that waiteth and cometh to the, to the, the 1,330 and five days, or 1,335. Do you see when this year 1917 was? Do you know what the Muslim Hegira calendar? The Hegira calendar starts from uh, 622 AD when Muhammad uh, left Mecca, he he fled for his life and he went to Medina and they started what's known as the Hegira calendar. That's the Muslim calendar. The year of 1917 is the year 1335 in the Muslim year as well. Daniel says, blessed is he who waits to the year 1335. There's the coin they struck up. 1917 and the little figures of the other side in Arabic read 1335. It's the same. They put the two years on it. One as the Muslim year, one is the Gregorian calendar year. The little number 14 bomber squadron that flew over there. You know what it says? They struck up a motto. I don't think we could, I gave you a photograph of that, sure, didn't Andrew? There's a medal that was struck up, and there was the wings, great big wings across the medal. And you know what it says? I spread my wings and I keep my promise. As birds flying, so will the Lord of hosts. Defend Jerusalem. Now notice this. Luke 21, please. Luke 21. I want to bring you up to date because time's flowing. Luke 21. Verse 29. And he spake unto them a parable. Notice. Remember said a parable. We use parables still today. When they now shoot... Behold the fig tree and all the trees. Behold the fig tree and all the trees. When they now shoot forth, you see and know of your own selves that summer is nigh. So likewise, when you see these things come to pass, know ye that the kingdom of God is at hand. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass pass away till all be fulfilled. See the word this generation because uh, this was 1917. Anyone alive then would be dead today. So then you go, well, was it 1948 when the Israelite state had, uh, uh, took nationhood? Because you'd be, what, if you were born then, you'd be 75 or so today. The word generation needs looked at just for a second here. The word generation is the word genania. Genania, it means a space of time. But it also speaks of people with the same pursuits and character. In other words, we have, we talk about seeing our generation Yet there could be 20, 30 years between some of us. Doesn't mean we're all the exact same age. But it also means 
this race of people from the same father. Do you know what Jesus said to the Jews, the bad figs, in John 8 and 44? Year off your father, the devil, and the loss of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Jesus said in his day, see you bad Jews, bad figs. Listen, Revelation chapter 2 and verse 9, Revelation chapter 3 and verse 9 says, are they those who call themselves Jews and are not In other words, they're not Judaites at all, not pure Judaites, not God-loving Judaites. He says, there are those who say they are Jews, but are the synagogue of Satan. Jesus says here, there are those who were bad Jews who would crucify him, who would not have him reign over them. And he says, you're off your father, the devil. They rejected Christ and his sacrifice. I don't know if you've heard this or not, but the Israelis have what's known in their government is called the Knesset. And there's been proposals in this last few weeks where anyone, you ready, anyone preaching the gospel in the Israeli state are to be jailed. That's just last week. I'm told, although I haven't heard it, Benjamin Netanyahu has said that he wouldn't have it. But you know why? He says, we're getting too much money from America. We're getting too much money from America. Not because he he respected Christ and his gospel, but because we're getting too much money from America. We don't want to upset the millions, he said, who support our state. Brothers and sisters, turn with me to Revelation 16. Revelation chapter 16. And with this, we're going to run into just a few points on where we are today. I want to thank you for your attention this evening. I trust that you're learning something, that you're hearing something, and maybe even cause you to think a bit. Revelation 16 and verse 12 And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates. The waters thereof was dried up, and the ways of the kings of the east might be prepared. Notice, so the river Euphrates dries up that the ways of the kings of the east might be prepared. Now, I know, I've seen it online, and and it is true, I've seen pictures, I've done a little bit of research. At the moment, the river Euphrates hasn't dried up, but it's it's lost quite a bit of water. I've seen it, I've, I've, I've seen it. But I don't believe that's what it means here. So the river Euphrates is the great river that you'll see running down there. See if I can point it out. I'll have to run one side or the other. You can see it, the big river. I don't know how I'm working that, Andrew, or not working that. See the river? That's the river Euphrates. The one running down towards the right. And what happened was that's where the Ottoman Turks had populated right down. That's where the people before that populated. Because this is all desert. You see the patch in the middle. So what they did is they populate the river Euphrates They irrigate the land off it, and they live there. So the Ottoman Turks had all of this territory right out to Babylon. They had the Holy Land right into North Africa, um, some of Saudi Arabia, and 
uh, around that whole area. But here the river Euphrates, they were populated around. Now in 1917, when they were displaced by Allenby, uh, uh, believing in the word of God to send them forth from Jerusalem, they started to dry up. Their empire started to get shorter and shorter and shorter until, I might be wrong here, but it might be a year out, but it's about 19, between 2022, maybe as late as 22, right up until that time. But from 1917, by the next year, they had almost lost their empire completely. By 2022, they became what is known as just the Turkish state today. Now, when this happened in 1917, Jerusalem, General Allenby, the the exact same year, what else happened? Are you listening? The River Euphrates dry up. The Bolshevik Revolution starts in Russia. Starts away over toward the east. It starts coming right across Russia. And the czars of Russia, Christian uh, family, there was, in fact, with the Bolshevik Revolution, there were millions of Christians killed by this Marxist uh, communist regime. Millions of them died. And the Bolshevik Revolution came. In the Bolshevik Revolution, there was a young man uh, came just shortly after, and he came out of China, and he was called Mao Zedong. He became known as Chairman Mao in China because Mao Zedong took the teachings of Marxist, Mar, uh, Karl Marx and Lenin. He started formulating what's known as Maoist or Maoism. Nor is after himself, he's the head figure of this Marxist communist regime. Listen, all happening in 1917, flowing onward toward our day. Russia becomes Red Russia. China under Mao Zedong, uh, uh, there's a, a war in China. Chinese nationalists then fight against this. And they are defeated. And where do they go to? They retreat to Taiwan. Do you know there's two, officially, there's two Chinas in the earth today? The People's Republic of China is the red China we know. And then there is the, the Chinese uh, people's uh, nation. I think the Republic that Chinese Republic is Taiwan. That's its official name. And hence what happens is the big Manasseh, the United States of America, Great Britain come right under and they support Taiwan. You see where it's all fitting in now? All of this comes from these prophecies. They start backing up Taiwan. Now China, Russia, and America are ready for war. Do you know that Zelensky has now said that Christians worshipping in Ukraine will also be arrested now? So Zelensky said that? Ukraine is a, it was a, a it was the laundromat of the world banking system. The laundromat for the Bidens and all of those people. It was filthy to its core. That's why they had to start war. NATO plants its rockets all around the Soviet border. 
in Poland and right across. And what happens? Well, Russian bear doesn't take much to kick off the bear. Starts to growl. Starts to come down in. China now has met up with uh, Russia. Xi Jinping, the leader of China, met Putin just this week. And this is what he was recorded saying. By the way, they're shaking hands and speaking quietly. And someone caught it on voice recorder. This is Xi Jinping's words. Change is coming that hasn't happened in a hundred years. What happened in a hundred years? The seven times punishment had run out. Bolshevik revolution started. That's the Marxist communist ideology. And everybody now looks at Russia and China. You look at Vietnam and you look at Cuba. Oh, they're all communists. I want to tell you something. Note they've done. They've started with your children's programs, communism. They've started in your in your preschools, in your primary schools, in your secondary schools, in your universities, and in their colleges. So their minds are programmed to this communist ideology. Here's what they do. They fund it and then tell them how to run it. And it's in all the governments. The Rothschilds means the red shield. It's what you would call a star of David, only it's red. And they say this, this uh, red shield is the shield that will cover the whole earth. The banking system. Doctrinization, groups come. Chaos, division among the people. Listen, in the last couple of weeks, uh, China has got in and made a peace treaty between Iran and Saudi Arabia who hate each other. Two Islamic nations, one Sunni and one Shia. And they hate each other. In fact, they fight wars, only they don't fight wars. What they do is they take the like of Yemen and Qatar and little countries like that, and they start wars in their countries to destroy them. And then they take over. From 1996, Russia and China have been doing what you would call war games. And they, it's known as the Shanghai Cooperation They then brought in Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, Turkmenistan, and all the Stan countries. Ezekiel 38 talks about the house of Togarma. All the Stan countries will then rise up in these last days. And that's now with China. They're all Islamic, Islamic with China and Russia, all these Stan countries. And now they're offering, they're offering Iran and Saudi Arabia to come in alongside them. We have the ASEAN groups. Anybody ever heard of the ASEAN group? A-S-E-A-N. It's the Asian, Southeast Asian nations. It's a whole string of all those uh, Eastern nations have all got together now. Anybody heard of the BRICS before? The BRICS, B-R-I-C-S. It's Brazil, Russia, India, and China. South Africa. All are now in a conglomerate group. European Union conglomerate group. The WEF conglomerate group, the United Nations conglomerate group. I can go on and on and on. NATO, a military conglomerate group. Do you know why we need completely out of Europe? Because it's a beast system. It's run by satanic influence and we need out. We need out of it. 
All of these, it was, European Union was to be an economic bloc. But yet the new war between Russia and Ukraine, they're talking about the need for military, uh, military help even further in, and the European nations, the EU nations, to start and formed an army to go in. Been preaching it for years. Here's what they're doing now. Because of this communist idea, Klaus Schwab and all of his cronies, he's got all his men sitting now in great places, all his young men, as it were. He has the Trudeau in Canada. He has Rishi Sunak in London. He ha- what do you call the wee man in France? Macron in France. Little Napoleon. And they're all in his pocket. They're all run and governed by them. And it's communism. And everyone's saying, well, sure, if digital currency comes, won't it be handy? Will it be handy? Because you'll get into your car and you'll not be allowed to buy your petrol. Why is your diesel so high? Why is your petrol so high? Because they're pricing us out of the market. Brothers and sisters, all of this is that new world order, the one world government. I listen, I don't want to finish there, but I am finished in a moment. Revelation chapter 12, verse 13, And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs. Here we have the the three unclean spirits out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. When I look at Daniel chapter 2 sometime in the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had, and then I'll look at Daniel chapter 7 sometime uh, with it as well, and the two of them are the same, only Daniel sees different than Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel sees from a God's point of view. Nebuchadnezzar sees himself as the head of gold, aren't they? Wonderful point of view. And when we go right down, we see a beast that... Daniel can't explain this beast. He can't understand what this beast is. He sees a lamb and he sees a bird and he sees a leopard. He knows what that looks like even though there's different components to it. But this beast is something else. I can't describe it. He's talking about today. He's talking about this order which is religious under the papacy. The gathering together of the ecumenical movement of Islam and of Buddhists, and of Shintoism, and of stupid, gullible Christianity, Protestant leaders, who's gathering them together, all to have this, this uh, house, Abrahamic house over in the Middle East that's been built for the three main religions. We have the financial market that we told you about. We have the governmental system. The next chapter in Revelation starts this ball rolling, showing us what it is. Notice what it says. For they are the spirits of, verse 14, spirits of devils working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Do you know what this is telling me? The more we see them gathering conglomerating. Listen, we're to stay separate. I believe that we are a separatist church. 
separate from all of those things in the world. And take note of this. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments. Lest he walk naked, they should see his, they see his shame. And he gathered them together into a place in the Hebrew tongue called Armageddon. And the seventh angel poured his vial out into the air, and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne of throne, saying, It is done. This that is done is in the exact same terms as Jesus cried, It is finished on the cross. No more payment for sin. Here it is done. This is the last. That's what it means. It's done. No going back. It's the last. doesn't matter if you're going to uh, try and rebuild the Jewish temple or what you're looking to do or whether you're going to look at the Abrahamic house of worship and you're all getting together to make it seem good. It says it is done. And those who are not keeping their garments unspotted, they will be judged before God. Brothers and sisters, let's stay close to Christ. Look at verse 19 for time's sake. The great city was divided into three parts. I told you those are a few moments ago. The cities fell, that great Babylon came in remembrance before God. They gave unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. And there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven. Every stone about the weight of a talent. And men blasphemed God because of the plague. For the plague thereof was exceeding great. And you go into the next chapter. Mother of harlots. The whore of Babylon. The church of Rome sitting on the Tiber. Bringing all in under her. The Rothschild banking system. Antichrist bringing all under their control. Along with others. And the governmental projects. Only some of them I talked about tonight. Trying to bring you under their manipulation. Brothers and sisters, you can't say that you weren't warned. You can't say that you weren't told. I don't know what you think, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Listen, Christ is coming. Don't be afraid. He says, for when you see these things begin to happen, then lift up your head and look down and be afraid. Hide at home. Shake with fear. No. Lift up your head and look up. Why? For your redemption draws nigh. The king is coming. The king is coming. Are you ready? Are you saved? Are you Christ? Do you know him? For the king is coming. Look, when you look around the world, do you not think it's time that the Lord was coming? Does it not look like it when we see it? You know, people get afraid. I get excited. Everybody goes, oh, look what's happening in the world today. I go, it's great because the Lord's coming. The Lord's coming. God bless his word to you tonight. If you're not saved, you must be born again. You must be washed in the blood. I hope tonight you're washed in the blood. For the Lord will surely come from heaven. Team, would you come up please and lead us in an offering hymn and then